This podcast is brought to you by Sage Hill, a social impact organization. Our mission is to help people be who they're made to be so that they can do what they're made to do. Find more resources to live fully, love deeply, and lead well at sagehillresources.com. In this uh, amazing surrender process that, that our presence allows us to experience the presence of God, not our power, not our accomplishments, and it's the presence of ourselves, the, the presenting ourselves, that often is a matter of faith. And what's amazing about the New Testament is that almost every place in which Jesus accords a person with the statement, your faith has saved you, your faith has healed you, your faith has set you free, your faith has made you walk, and so on. What's amazing is it's everyone who would normally not be considered a person of faith. So an irony there, I use the word irony a lot, but there's a, a paradox. And it's most beautifully told, I think, in Luke 7. Luke 7, 36 through 50 says this, that there was a sinful woman in town. She basically entered a party. And from what I understand, so often they would eat out on the portico and the, the poor people, they, they would wait along the edges of the buildings and then the porticos, or rather in the sides of the buildings and the doorways, until the wealthy people finished and then they would get the crumbs. But this woman broke rank, walked right into the gathering that was, was already being held. So she knew that she was breaking from the rules, the law. And it was said of her already that she was a sinful woman. Now, sinful woman almost certainly probably, we, we think of historically, maybe meant prostitute or someone who was in sin, which means that she would be accorded to deserve what the law would give to her. So on some level, she was making herself available to be stoned, perhaps. And so she walked into that gathering where Jesus was, Simon's house, the Pharisee, and on some level had to have been prepared to be thrown out, which means that on some level down inside of her, she'd already given up. So she was hopeless. Now, what was she doing with her last breath, her last period of time? She walked into the party and went straight to Jesus. Perhaps she'd heard of him, and almost certainly she had. And I, th I think she was asking a question. If you are somebody different from who I've always known, then let it be known before I die. But if you are not, then let me die. This was a woman who was on her last legs of hope. And what happened next tells the story, I think, that evidence is what I'm saying. She began to cry when she got at his feet. And of course, people reclined when they were eating during those times. And many of us have been in a situation or maybe seen it in movies or something where our grief is so overwhelming that we can't stand up, we have to sit down. Even the cliche is, you better sit down. Well, she sat down. I say she collapsed. She began to cry, and she was frightened, and she was hopeless, with, yet had hope. She was wishing for something she didn't believe existed. She was remembering a childhood where all children dream. They notice the sparrows. They watch the butterflies. They want their daddies and mamas to be certain things, and they picture a life that they can have when something happens. She was far away from the dream, too. Well, she fell at his feet, and she began to continue to weep. And she poured out her tears. 
She poured out her heartache. She poured out her grief. She poured out her losses, her angers, her furies, her longings, her wishes, her dreams, her thirst, her hungers, her despair on the feet of Jesus. And then she even gave him more. She took down her hair, which I understand was an invitation, the glory of a woman presented in public, but she was no longer in public. She was with him. And she was saying, you can have everything that is mine. Do with me what you will. If it's going to be harm me, then harm me. And she began to uh, dry his feet with her hair. And then it didn't stop there. She took an alabaster jar of perfume a poor woman, a sinful woman with an alabaster jar of perfume. Where'd she get it? Who knows? Perhaps uh, someone in the room had given it to her. But she broke the seal, poured it on his feet, and then started to wipe his feet off again with the alabaster, with the perfume from the alabaster jar. And then she was, I suspect, silent. She was all poured out, all grieved out. And after this happened, Jesus said to Simon, basically, do you see this woman? after he asked him this question. He said, Simon, who will forgive most? Who would, who would, who would be most appreciative of, of a, a debt forgiven? A person who's forgiven 500 denarii or a person who's forgiven 50? And it was a first great, a great question. And Simon had already assessed Jesus as something of a, a charlatan possibly. And because he said if Jesus were really somebody, he would have known who this woman was and would let the woman touch him. And so Simon, probably irritated, said, well, uh, uh, obviously somebody who was forgiven 500. And Jesus' answer to him, statement back to him, was you have judged correctly. So Jesus, in his brilliance, was confronting Simon before he even turned to the woman. And he says, do you see this woman? And the truth was, Simon did not see the woman. He looked at her. He judged her. He assessed her but did not have anything but a worldly point of view towards her. The book of Corinthians says we no longer look at anyone from a worldly point of view. It doesn't mean we pamper people or pretend or are always soft, but it means that we see people for who God made them, even when they're far away from who God made them to be. And so he turned to the woman, and this was the main thing that just struck me. He said, your faith has saved you. And my question is, what faith? What faith? It was an outpouring of sin, an outpouring of heartache. It was an outpouring of surrender. It was an outpouring of, of saying, do what you want to with me. It was without boundaries. It was dirty and ugly and gorgeous and marvelous and honorable and beautiful and pure, even with all its contamination. And he looked at her and said, your faith has saved you. She gave her sin, her ugliness, her grief, her sadness, her hope, and the dreams of a child back to him. And then, after according her to have faith, the woman had a passion for what could have been and a vision for what could be. And the vision had not come true, and she despised the passion she was born to have. And Jesus said, well, if this is all you're looking for, he said, go in peace. Your faith has saved you, go in peace. Really and truly offering her incredible freedom. If this is all you're looking for, if relief is all you need, you got it. And I believe that she looked at him and said, if I go back to where I came from, there'll be no peace. And I think on some level she said to him, I think I have found what I'm looking for here 
with you. And the next set of scriptures say that there were a bunch of people and many women were in the group that were with him. I, I believe she went. I believe she was one of them. And over and over again, the blind man, your faith has saved you. The leper, your faith has saved you. The centurion, your faith has saved you. The paralytic, your faith has saved you. And it's always presented with neediness and the confession of our humanity and surrender of, of who we're made to be. A person who cannot give up on wishing their lives were different because they're made to be. They're literally made to be. So that story is, um, is amazing to me. I never tire of it. And it's amazingly a figurative, relational expression of Exodus 25, where, G where God tells Moses, you build the mercy seat a certain way. The angels looked down upon the gold-plated mercy seat under which was the Ark of the Covenant. And it was a place of sacrifice where blood, the heart of a creature, was poured out upon the mercy seat. God said to Moses, at the mercy seat, my presence will be with you. My presence will be with you at the mercy seat, which means the presence of God would meet us at the place where our hearts are poured out. It's so amazing. Man cries out, human beings cry out, woman cries out. God shows up, who's always been there all along. God raises us up, and He raises us up to step out, never leaving Him behind for one moment.